Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while, you, while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Today is Resurrection Sunday. It is the celebration of Jesus' death and, most importantly, resurrection. That the tomb is empty. And this is, uh, this is so fundamental to what Christianity actually is. But I think we miss the point so often. The idea of an empty tomb is a little weird. We can be honest. We can be real about that. We can, the empty tomb is a way I can't wrap my head around that. Uh, personally... I understand the cross. Well, I don't totally comprehend it, but I understand that there is payment that needs to be paid for sin. I get that part. But why is the tomb empty? Why does that have to happen? What, what, is, what significance does that play? What does that look like? What does it mean for us? That's what we're going to explore today. So maybe I'm the only one that had those questions, but I bet you probably had a few of those questions as well. The significance, specifically in the empty tomb is it allows for redemption. It allows for victory. The empty tomb means victory. In all kinds of different levels, but we're going to kind of keep that into three main ones today. But the empty tomb means that we have redemption, we have victory. Things were just not paid for, but there's victory over death. There's victory over sin. There's victory over all the junk. And so that... Uh, is the simple way of talking about why the empty tomb is so important. Um, crosses look better on your necklaces as well. They're easier to you know, manufacture, I think. But uh, we all had circles. Or I don't know how you'd even represent an empty tomb, but it's incredibly important, right? It's also kind of weird that we all wear like versions of mass you know, genocide <laughs> around our... <laughs> uh, we have electric chairs hanging around our, our necks. That's basically what a cross is. But we want to symbolize that because of what Christ did for us in that moment at that time to take on all of our punishment on himself. And so um, this morning we're going to explore that. We're in the middle of a series. We're almost to the end of it, uh, a series called Follow Me, where we're looking at different things that Jesus teaches and imparts into us. And as his disciples, as people who are trying to be like him, as following after him, we look at that and we go, how do we be like Jesus in this moment, as all good disciples do? And so uh, while we cannot take on the sins of the world, and while we can't ri- ri- be risen, rose- rise from the dead, there, 
Oh, that was tough. Uh, <laughs> we can't do that. We can be like Jesus in this aspect. Is this is a redemption story. And we can have and participate in a story of redemption. Here at Shore Church of God, we love redemption stories. A redemption story goes like this. I once was blank, and now I am this. What changed in the middle is Jesus. So your redemption story, however you need to talk about this, is I was once this, but Jesus happened, and now I'm this. I'm still messy. I'm still working through it. I'm still striving for something better, but I once was this. And that's in the rear view mirror. But Jesus happened, and now I'm this. So that's a redemption story. That's how we get to follow after Jesus. And because of the empty tomb, we get to say that. Because of the victory that the empty tomb gives us, we get to say those words, but Jesus. And so this morning is all about participating in that, understanding that, stepping into all that that has for us this morning. If you are new to Shorewood, or this is your first time with us, um, be honest with you, everybody here is a mess. <laughs> All right? Um, there's, there's a lot of amens for that. But everyone here is a mess. And so the people to your left and your right, they may look pretty today because it's Easter. Um, but uh, they worked really hard to, to, to put on the shiny best today. However, we're all messes. The thing is that last week we're a little bit messier than we are this week. And what was the difference in that, in that transition period is Jesus is working on us. Okay. So that we're, we're okay with the fact that we're all messes. We're all broken. We're all fallen people that are trying to get better. And the thing that's allowing us to get better, the thing that's putting us back together is Jesus. We're all a part of a redemption story. And some of these stories look pretty crazy. I have the privilege and the burden of knowing a lot of your stories. And to know like, I, some of these things, I have to edit myself when I see your face on Sunday morning because I'm like, I want to tell your story. But that would really embarrass you, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, right? So, but I want to know your, I want to tell your story because this is amazing of what Jesus has done in your life. And maybe at some point in some time, we'll get to share those things. But as of right now, I'll just keep it to my mouth, my sh- myself and keep my mouth shut. It's really hard for the hyperactiveness in me. But as we talk about our stories, I once was this, but Jesus, and now I'm this. And that's what the empty tomb does for us. So maybe you're with me in understanding the cross. Good Friday service, I love our Good Friday services. I love how we do things a little differently. Um, I love how we try to understand intergenerationally what the cross does for us. That we let little kids in on the process of trying to understand what the cross is. I love that we experience that in different ways. I love understanding, and I'm I'm comfortable for some weird reason with letting God sacrifice himself for me. With today, with the resurrection, with the empty tomb, I'm not as comfortable with that because that requires a level of trust and a level of understanding that maybe, if I'm honest, I haven't always known or understood. I did a lot of research this week on the resurrection because I always wanted, why is this so important? What is going on there? And maybe you've asked that same question. Uh, Maybe your faith is a lot stronger than mine and you know more answers than I do. Maybe that's where you're at. But I'm asking the question, why is the resurrection so important? And I bet maybe you do 
as well this morning. The crucifix is about sin being paid for. The resurrection is about victory. The crucifix is about sin being paid for, and the resurrection is about victory. There's a a change. It's a two-step process. The, The crucifix by itself is amazing, but it's not the whole story. Lots of people throughout history have have paid the price for someone else. It's a noble thing. I can understand the crucifix. Because if someone, if I had a choice of throwing my body in front of a bullet or a car or whatever for my children, that would be an easy choice for me. Guess what? Jared can't come back three days later. Right? I don't I can't understand that. I can't humanly figure that one out. But I, I can understand sacrifice, but I don't understand complete victory. Crucifix is about sin being paid for. The resurrection is about victory. Through Christ's victory over death, we're assured of a few things. We're going to explore these three things. There's more um, theologically. There's all kind, we could get in all kinds of minutiae. But these major three things I want, to, I want to step into today is this. Christ's sacrifice was sufficient in covering the sins of the world. It was enough. There doesn't need to be more uh, sacrifices. We will have victory over death and step into eternal life with Christ. This is another thing that we are assured. We will have victory over death and step into eternal life with Christ. And third, we become dead to sin and alive in Christ because of the resurrection. These three things happen. These are the benefits. What impacts us? I want to go back to the first point. Christ's Victory is sufficient. It is enough. I have a problem with this point. I like to have control over things. And I feel like I have a two-year-old at home. And she just now got to this point of, I do it myself. Mine? You know, uh, uh, me do it. Me do it. No, you you. You don't do it. Me do it. <sighs> right? And so to, to go through that. But I feel like as we just get older, it's, it's a more educated me do it. Right? We have more reasons why me do it. But actually, what we should be doing is God does it. And in this moment, in this time, we even do this with our sin and our issues and our guilt and our shame. Is that, do we actually believe that Christ's victory is sufficient to take care of all the stuff in our past? Well, I needed to do something about it. Me do it. Or Christ did it. It was sufficient. It was enough. We actually are clean. We actually are forgiven. In the resurrection, it says, God is basically saying, why he, in this transaction of, of Jesus dying on the cross, and three days later, he's saying, you were enough and risen from the dead, that this sacrifice was enough, that the books don't need to be balanced anymore. If you read in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, there's all these laws. Some of them are very intricate. But if you do this, you owe a pigeon. Like if you do this, you owe some grain. And if you did this, you owe this amount. And if you do this, then you owe, owe a sheep. And if you, oh, if you did that, you got you to gotta kill a bull. 
I'm like, don't, you don't want to do any of the sins that make you kill a bull. Because there was a, there was a have to be a payment of some sort. There had to be a, a reckoning of some sort to cost you something to be in right relationship with God. That was the whole sacrificial system of Judaism. It makes sense. We may, oh, I don't want to kill any animals, but it makes sense. And we do it the same today. We have the same thought process. Oh man, I really messed up. I've got to pay penance in some way. I've got to earn God's love back. I got, I got to do something. I have to, you know, oh, whatever, whatever it is. And out of this sense of guilt, we, we try to earn our way back into God's good graces. And that thinking is fundamentally flawed. That's totally ignoring the cross. And it's ignoring the victory of the empty tomb. That Christ's death and resurrection was sufficient to pay for all that. So our, our attitude of why we serve at church or why we do things, um, why we give, why we uh, love people in the way we try to do it is not out of some, I've got to pay it back. It's out of obedience of a loving an amazing creator and savior. So it's an attitude shift. It's easier, I think, to think out of this guilt idea. It's easier for me, like, I wronged you, now I've got to make it right. Right? Depending on how you've been raised, you understand the guilt-shame under, understanding. Right? Oh, made mom mad, i got to do, you know, eight dishes and, um, and, and wash the car. Oop, don't wash the car with that rag because that made a bigger mess. Now I got to pay penance to dad. Now I got to mow the grass. Oh, I didn't have straight lines. Oh, now he's mad at me. Blah, 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 blah. And you're going down the, down the road. And unfortunately we take that same mindset to God. Oh, I did that. Oh, well, I messed up at church. Oh, the rows weren't perfect. Jared was upset with me. You know, I folded the bulletins wrong. Whatever silly thing it would be. Because I'm so mean to you all. Uh, but uh, just to move on. Uh, <laughs> and, and we have all these, all these things. That, oh, we've got to do everything right. What we're doing, what we're actually doing is we're cheating ourselves out of the understanding of what the empty tomb is. That Christ's victory is sufficient for all that junk. The, he is who he says he is. It's enough. And for some of us this morning, we need to rest in the fact and rest in this moment of his sacrifice was enough for me. It's enough. No sin that you've done, uh, that was the one that tipped the scales. Nope. His death on the cross, it didn't cover that one. It covers all of your sins, all of my sins, all of humanity's sins, past, present, and future. First John uh, 2 Verse two says his atoning, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. So we aren't um, doing things to earn being saved from sin in our lives. We aren't holding our teeth, right? We're not doing the right dance. We can't do it. We don't have it in us. We're not good enough for that. And he understands this. He tried that way with the pigeons and the grain and the bulls and the sheep. It was just becoming a big mess. We're all messes. We all have junk. We all have stuff. Some of us are addicted to substances. Some of us are addicted to habits. Some of us are, we can't get away from that thing or this, that idea. Some of us struggle with lust or steal or we embezzle. Some of us gossip. Some of us lie. We have nasty stuff in our lives. And the more and more you think, well, I don't do any of that. I didn't kill anybody this week. 
We all have sin in our lives. Sin means to miss the mark. It's an archer's term. It's to have a bow and arrow and to aim for the bullseye, but to miss it. That's sin. And so what repentance is, is to change direction or to readjust your aim. We all have sin. We all miss the mark. Romans 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And you're like, well, Jared, I didn't kill anybody. And I, you know, I haven't done any of these big things lately, so I'm doing all right. Why, why would Jesus have to sacrifice himself for me? Because all sin is sin. It doesn't matter if you're aiming for the bullseye, if you miss it by a millimeter or you miss it by a country mile, if you still missed the mark. The word sin, are, um, so while maybe addictions or adultery is not your thing, which I'm glad it's not, uh, but the word needs to miss the mark. So maybe for you, it's how your reaction is when somebody cuts you off on 55. Maybe it's your reaction when your child does blank, blank, and, and blank, and how your attitude is with them. Maybe it's when you see someone else's spouse, and you go, why couldn't my spouse be more like them? Those don't seem by li- like big things, but that is sin that's missing the mark. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin, what we earn when we sin is what? Death. My mother was teaching some little kids this, this uh, verse. This happened about 25 years ago, uh, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. We're sitting, I remember the room we're at with the mauve carpet, right? Because every church in the uh, 80s and 90s had mauve carpet. Uh, so you... You or orange. Um, thank you, Lord, for repenting of us of that. Uh, so the, we're sitting there in the uh, converted gym of Kokomo First Church of God. I'm sitting there, and my mom's like, what does the wages of sin mean? Little boy raises his hand. Is that when you're sitting uncomfortably? He thought my mom was saying the wedgies of sin. <laughs> it was really funny. I remember it. I was in fifth grade, and I was like, oh, that's hilarious. So I was laughing my head off. Uh, For the the wedges of sin is death. That too, okay. The wages of sin. Now, this is like one of the most important scriptures in the whole Bible, and you guys are going to giggle every time now. You're with me. You're on my inside joke. Uh, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is the hope. We earned death. But the gift of the empty tomb is life eternal with Christ Jesus our Lord. This is beautiful. This is amazing. And so when we keep on thinking, I've earned death, I've earned death, I've earned death. Maybe you've got something going on in your head that we all struggle with this. Probably I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I didn't do this right. I've earned death. And that seems right to me, except, but the gift, the resurrection says you are good enough because I have made you good enough. I have set you apart. I have cleaned you I've washed you. We take communion to say, thank you, God, for having your body broken for me, for your blood pouring out for me, that I can be made clean and made new. And the empty tomb says, you have victory in that, and you get to be with me. Second thing that the the empty tomb gives us, the resurrection gives us the promise of eternal life. The resurrection gives us the promise 
of eternal life. The resurrection gives us the promise of eternal life. Where the cross makes our slate clean, the resurrection says you get to have eternal life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We gain access to that because of the resurrection, because of the victory that Christ has over death. We get to hope for a future that's already been paid for and that's already been prepared. The cross says, I paid for it. The empty tomb says, it's yours. It's the gift of eternal life. I, I understand uh, when you give your child something amazing, when you, I think you just get a glimpse of a little bit of what God's doing here. When you give someone just an extravagant gift, here you go, it's yours. I paid for it. There's nothing. You don't owe me anything. You don't, no, it's yours. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That perish, where does it come from? We, that's what we've earned. The wages of sin is death. But you have eternal life when you believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We are set free from the burden of our past and made alive in Christ. We are set free from the burden of our past and made alive in Christ. This is our final point today. We are set free from the burden of our past. I think this one probably is the most overlooked aspect and victory of the resurrection. The first one, okay, cool. I understand we we have victory. He paid for it all. Got it for my past. The second one, I read the John 3.16. Saw on Tim Tebow's, eye, Tim Tebow's eyes. We got it memorized. Okay, we, everyone learned that. My future, I get to go to heaven. What we struggle with is what Jesus is doing with us in our hearts, in our souls, in the here and the now. We are set free from the burden of our past to be made alive in Christ. So no matter what we have done, no matter what has been paid for, we are set free from that. That the shackles of shame, the shackles of guilt can be broken off of us so we can actually have life in Christ. We are set free from the burden of our past and made alive in Christ. The Greek word for salvation is sozo, S-O-Z-O, if you like. It's not really it, but. I'm not going to teach you Greek this morning, okay? So it's so-so. You get to say it uh, kind of fun. But what it means is it it happens in three different instances in the scripture. It means you will be, or you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. All three. Not just one or the other. So you're not just, oh, I'm good forever. No, no, no. I was saved. I'm in the process of being saved, and I will be saved in the future. This is incredibly important as we participate in, in who Christ is for us in his redeeming work that, yeah, my past is gone. I'm, I'm being remade in, in right now. In my future, I get to be with Jesus. This is a process of the salvation. As we get to, as when Paul talks about working out your salvation, he's talking about that middle part. This, I, I'm working out my salvation because I've got to forget what's in my past 
and move on to claiming what's in my future. This is the difficult part for us. It's so easy. But, ah, doesn't matter what I do today. I'm going to heaven. Cool. Right. We just, okay. But right here in this moment, in this time, when we struggle, when we're attacked, when we, when we deal with all the issues that we've got going in our heads, and we, I don't know about you, but I have flashbacks of stuff that, stupid stuff that I did 20 years ago. And I feel guilty about it. And I'm like, oh, man. And it, it's just like all this weight. And then if I let that take hold, then there's a more, stu- a, a more stupider, a more stupider decision that happened that, that weighs me down. And then a more stupider decision that, I'm getting real theological for you, a, re- a decision that just weighs you down, weighs you down. But except the tomb says you don't have to be there. You can be lifted from that burden. I have paid for that. I have victory over it all. You are set free from that. You are made alive. You don't have to be dead in your junk and your past and your stupid stuff. You can be alive today. I uh, was with one of my best friends from high school two weeks ago. Actually, a bunch of us got together. And there's a whole litany of stupid stuff that we did together. And it actually, on my car ride, we had to go to Kokomo for a funeral. And on the way back... I started reliving some of the dumb stuff and I had to stop myself and say, that is the old Jared. You are not that man anymore. You are, you are new because if you're still that man, man, Kelly wouldn't be still married to you. Right. And like, you are not that guy anymore. You have been made differently. You have changed because of that. And because of what that is, is Jared once was this and then Jesus. And now this. We are set free from the burden of our past to be made alive in Christ. So many of us are stuck in that mire. We are stuck in that shame cycle. And with the empty tomb, the stone being rolled away, the victory of Jesus coming forth, you don't have to be stuck there anymore. I have victory over your past and I have victory over your future. But guess what? I have victory over your present today. That's the power of the resurrection. All three of these all working together. So yes, the cross is incredibly important. That's where our sin and our junk is paid for. But the victory of I don't have to be who I was anymore is found in the empty tomb. This morning, as we think about this, I want us just to slow down a little bit in this moment to say, God, I... I need you to redeem my past, to claim my future, and to set right my present. We were talking about um, some opportunities we're having here at the church, just some really exciting things going on. And we were talking about uh, people who could step up into some leadership and mentorship roles and lead some other people through some, some junky, messy stuff. Well, who could we get to do that? Who could we get to do that? And the people's names that kept on coming to mind were the people who had, had grasped this moment. Because until your story is a redemption story, you can't help other people get to that redemption story. And this is painful, and this is hard. This is the hard work. It's not hard for Jesus. Jesus is like, I did it. I did all the work. But it's hard for us to get to a place where like, God, that was some stuff I've been trying to hide from you for years and years and years. He's like, um, you forgot I was with you when you, when you did it. I saw it. 
It broke my heart then, but guess what? I paid for it. You can have a different future. And until we let ourselves off the hook enough to say, God, will you take this moment in my life, this season of my life, this bad choice or these bad choices or that decade or whatever that is, if you will just take that from me and I move it. Jesus is going, that's not too big for me. I got it. I already took it. I've been waiting for you to hand it off for a long time. And we keep on going back and I don't know. I like that rock. I like that heavy. I like that burden. This morning may be a time that you get to say, God, I want you to have this moment in my past and I want to leave it here today. I want to claim the victory of that stone being rolled away, that the tomb is empty, the victory of what the resurrection is. I want to go back to, we love redemption stories here at the church. We love when we get to say, you know what? I once was this, but Jesus And now I'm this. They're amazing stories. They're wonderful stories. The stories of the act of grace in our lives. The action of mercy in our lives. This morning I want to offer both the cross and the empty tomb to you. Jesus has willingly paid the price for the stuff in your life. He paid for the messes in the past, the present, and the future. But he also has victory over your past, your present, in your future. I want to close in prayer this morning. And if anyone would like to step into this victory with Christ, maybe for the very first time, I want you to pray with me. If everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. If you want to step into this victory with Jesus this morning, I, just, I would ask for you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. But just claim it and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for your victory. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame and paying this price. Thank you for having victory over the worst the world could throw at you. Jesus, I want to give you my past. All the sin that has polluted my life, I give it to you. Jesus, I want to give you my present. That I would give you all of it all the baggage I carry and the shame that I have. Jesus, I want to give you my future that I can rest in the promise of heaven and eternal life with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Amen. Ben, come on up. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, I'd love to talk to you. Um, if, if you don't want to talk to me today, you don't want, you don't want to be called out, please fill out a connection card and, and indicate that you prayed that prayer this morning because I would just love to touch base with you and tell you what your next steps are because that's awesome. I am so excited about the future that we have as we explore who Jesus is, as we explore who he really is for us, that the tomb is actually empty, that we as Christians have victory because our God is a victorious God. Let's worship. Please stand. Thanks for joining us at church this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.